Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 56 from New Orleans, recorded on October 19th, 2016. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. Do you want to explain first why you may sound a little echoey to some listeners? Yeah, so I'm in my hotel room, and I'm doing this off my laptop, and I don't have my usual fancy setup, so it, the sound quality may be a little echoey, which I apologize for, but that's why the title of today's podcast is From New Orleans, because guess where we are? Where we are. You're still in Boston, Mom. I'm in New Orleans. So you've been doing a lot of traveling. Let's start with last week in San Jose. Okay, so actually I have been doing a lot of traveling and so I just finished editing my vlog for this week and I put it up on YouTube and it was the first one that was entirely recorded and edited away from home. So that made me feel kind of accomplished that I managed to figure out how to do that. Um, But yeah, so we started the week in San Jose. Um, I went there for two days of teaching at a work of heart. Um, which is a place I've taught several times and we did midweek classes. So we did, it was a Monday and a Tuesday and, uh, they were both two day classes. So I taught one class during the day from like 10 to five. Um, and then I taught another class in the evening from six to nine or six, something like that. I can't remember the timing exactly, but so it was a six hour class during the day and a three hour class at night and um, had lots of great students come through. It was all about art journaling, and I would loved the people who stayed for both classes. That is some hardcore art action, so that was awesome. That's um, a lot of Julie time. That's, that's a lot of Julie time. I personally could not take that much Julie time, but, you know, maybe some people can. Um, but it was nice to have the smaller classes. I'm used to teaching much larger classes, so this felt a lot more personal just because, you know, midweek classes tend to be smaller. So that was really nice. Um, It was interesting to me before I went to teach because I had heard from a number of students who said things like, oh, I wish you were teaching a painting class, um, you know, and not an art journaling class or something like that and or whatever it was that there was their particular issue. And I, you know, it sort of made me realize once again that I think um, people choose classes differently like everybody has a different way of choosing what classes they're interested in I don't actually um, if I don't know the instructor I will pick a class based on a topic I'm interested in but if I know the instructor most of the time I will just show up for whatever they're teaching because I'm interested in that instructor Um, but I think there are some people who really only pick classes based on the project being completed or the you know exactly what's being taught I will also say that you could take an art journaling class and it's painting. True. True. Clearly. It's true. But I think people, I think these students who were with me were looking for more like the painting class that I taught in Austin, which is like working big and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of these things where I guess I'm just reminded again. And this week also that I'm spending in New Orleans right now has also reminded me of this about how we can all have the same experience and just have very different views of it, you know? And it's, so it's the same thing here with picking classes, which is, you know, how do you choose what you're interested in? Is it have to be something that you're actively interested in or do you take a class to get sparked uh, and find a new interest? I don't know. Just an interesting idea question I have about people's learning styles. And sometimes you may, (coughs) excuse me, Take something, like I took an encaustic class with you. 
Yes. And I discovered I didn't like it. I don't like the smell of it, and it just it doesn't work for me. But I wouldn't have known anything about it if I hadn't taken it. So it was good to scratch it off my list. Yeah, I actually felt that way too, which is I had heard so much about encaustic. I like the look of encaustic, but actually doing it, I was like, nope, 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 not my thing. Okay, so then we went to the famous Jane Austen-ish bookish wedding over the last weekend and maybe you should talk about that because there was lots of craftiness yeah so the um so rev my friend who got married had done a beautiful job doing lots of diy stuff which obviously started with her bouquet which i know we shared on the blog and she had um wrapped a lot of uh, little led lights with book pages to create um you know, these sort of glowing book page candle things everywhere. Because um, obviously when you're working with paper, LED is so much safer than real flame. Uh, and she had, the whole book theme was carried through. She had arranged all the seating. And so you were like in the mystery section, in the horror section, in the, um, you know, chiclet section or whatever it is. And um, she had done the place cards as those library checkout cards that you have that had your name and the section you were in. Um, the centerpieces were all made of, uh, books that had succulents growing out of them, which actually I'm proud to say she saw on my Instagram because it's a project for Make It Artsy. And she was like, oh, I want to make those for my wedding. Um, she and her husband did a Jane Austen dance, which was lifted out of the, uh, Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, um, which was really sweet way to kick off the dancing and stuff, but the whole wedding had a very nice DIY feel. They actually, they made their programs look like cliff notes to keep with the book theme. And then they also, um, had, uh, the hoopah, which is the wedding canopy that people stand under. She had made all these punched, all these butterflies out of book pages and she had strung them on ribbons and everything just felt so nice and personal. And I was reminded how much, uh, making things makes an event feel deeply, deeply personal in a way that even if you picked the colors, even if you picked the you know, exact things that you wanted to say, there is something about that handmade look that makes you feel like you're at something really special. Agreed. So that, and people, some people came in costume as characters from books. Yes. That was a lot of fun. Although I did point out there were at least three guys there in bathrobes. Um, Yes. What were they? (laughs) Well, so I think I think two of them were from the Big Lebowski, which I would just like to remind people is not a not book, a book, but I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. There are so many different uh, characters, I suppose, in books that might be wearing bathrobes. But it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, Halloween's coming, and I guess people wanted to get their costumes out early. There were some also very clever costumes and fun things and it was you know everybody had a just fun and silly spirit about it and it felt very much like a celebration definitely and I will just say it poured I mean poured I mean like build an arc poured um and yet we you know everybody's in good spirits tent held up everybody was fine and it was a lovely evening Okay, let's move on to where you are now and why you are there and what you are doing. 
These are questions I ask myself every day when I wake up, Mom. Where am I? Why am I here? And what am I supposed to be doing? Well, what are your <laughs> answers for this week? So yesterday I couldn't have answered it because I slept through my alarm. And when the second one off, I was surprised and shocked. But today I got some more sleep and so I can answer it. So I am in New Orleans at the Golden Artist Educator Training which is called the GAEP for short, because that's Golden What's... Artist Educator Program. Oh, program. That's what the P is for. P for program. Um, and so Golden Paints, which is a predominantly known as an acrylic paint company, although they do now make watercolors and oil paints, um, but they're really known for their acrylic mediums and acrylic paints of all kinds. They do this week of training, um, I believe they do it once a year. Uh, in the past, I think they may have done it twice a year, but it's really and always once a year. in a different city, right? Uh, I'm not sure because they do do them all over the world. Like there's training in France, there's training in Canada, there's training in whatever. But I know that in I think I talked to some of the people and they've done it in New Orleans for the last like six or seven years when they've done it okay. in America. Um, so you have to apply. So you have to apply to the program which I did, and you have to send in, you know, pictures of your work and a resume and links to all your stuff, and you have to tell them how many people you teach in a year, because obviously it's the Golden Artist Educators Program, so they don't, it's not just about using it, you have to actually be a teaching artist, uh -huh. um, and so basically we are getting um, a sort of a overview of all of their products with some information about how and why they're different and special, and uh, a sort of a compendium of techniques to bring with us. And so this reminds me a lot of years and years ago when I was getting first started in the industry, I went to Ranger U, which is the uh, basically Ranger's artist educator program where they teach you all about their different things. And um, Tim Holtz has you fill out all these tags and then they put a label on the back that tells you what the technique is and you go home with all these techniques and ideas for using ranger products um and you get to have a little thing saying like you're a ranger certified instructor blah 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 blah. so this is the same idea sort of on a grander scale instead of tags we're working on these gator board uh pieces and so the idea is that at the end you'd have all these samples of the products and the techniques that you could use in your teaching. Now, I, 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 one of the things I think is interesting is that everybody here is very different and is here for some very different reasons. So I like to ask questions like at dinner or at my table that I'm sitting at or whatever to sort of see where the room is. And one of the questions I asked is I said, you know, how did you find out about the GAEP? And at a table of six women, we had six different answers. And then I said, you know, okay, well, do you think you'll use the boards that we're creating in your teaching? And it was really split. Like half the table was like, absolutely. And half the table was like, probably not. Which again, reminds me that we're probably all different teachers and approach things differently, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think the boards are a great reference tool because it's like, you want to know what the difference is between matte and glossy gel? I don't have to tell you one is matte and one is glossy. I can show you look at this dried mat and this dried glossy gel and you can see the difference, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's also interesting because a lot of these people come, I would say, I would say everyone there considers themselves a fine artist. Um, and I 
and the people have been very polite trying not to insult me <laughs> is the best way that I can explain it. Because, Maybe not polite enough if you picked up well, the Well, no, because I always say, and I'm very proud of it, I say, oh, you know, yes, I work in the craft industry, which I'm delighted to do. And uh, people always say, oh, you know, I'm no good at craft, or I, I bet craft has changed a lot from what I knew it as or stuff like that, which I'm always kind of like, mm. you know. Okay, I guess I'm going to just smile and not be insulted. But it's I think there is a kind of belief here that craft is kind of a negative, which is one of those things that infuriates me endlessly, but whatever. So, in fact, I also I talked to a woman yesterday who uh, mentioned that she didn't want to be a mixed media artist because sort of everyone's a mixed media artist now, that she wanted to be known as a... Um, what is it called? Uh, it was like a... It's something, it was a word I can't remember she used. It started with an S and it was something about like uh, multiple discs. It was basically as mixed media artists, but not using the word mixed media. It was like, uh, it's not several is the wrong word, but it was like, you know, mixed. Great. I know. Great conversation. Great story. Great story. I'm a really good storyteller. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Listen, I've got, you know, travel on my brain and I'm tired. Anyway, so uh, anyway, the point is, I think people push against craft, which is an interesting and weird thing. And yet on the other hand, I have to tell you, these people were so excited by this technique that we did last thing yesterday, where you uh, put a stencil down over some watercolor and then you put some gel medium through the stencil and pull it off. And they were all like, oh my God, oh, this is so cool. And I was like, "Um, hello, crafting stencils 101. You know, and so that was kind of funny. Or like we did transfers yesterday, which is another like very basic, I think, of craft technique. Like I have a whole getting started um, online class on getting started with transfers. It goes over a bunch of basic ways to do transfers. And so many people there had never done transfers and were excited by it. And like I think the thing is, I think craft gets a bad reputation and a bad like whatever. I mean, it's not all like ugly schlocky stuff I mean and even if it is I think the idea that you're telling people that their creativity is not enough is also kind of crappy I mean I've rarely ever seen a pro athlete say to someone who jogs for fun or for health or for enjoyment you know you're not the same as me why they would never feel the need to poop on you that way but for some reason I think sometimes there's this great desire in the art world to poop on other people so I mean if, if you're such a fantastic fine artist then I guess people can naturally tell the difference between you and someone who's not so what's the big deal in being generous I agree that's my diatribe for this five minutes <laughs> But yeah, so, so what else have you done? And so tell me how what you've done in class, and then you can talk about the extracurricular things they have you doing. Well, so I have to say, just from a facilitation point of view, I'm always interested in teaching and how people teach and how classrooms work and all that kind of stuff. And I actually think that one of the things that makes me a really good teacher is that I do think about those issues. And one of the things that they're doing that I like very, very much is they are every day you sit with a different group of people. Hmm. So it means that you get around, get to talk to people, or as they said, if there's a really annoying person at your table, you only have to spend one day with them. 
I hope they're not talking about you. <laughs> I hope they're not talking about me. If you get stuck with that craft girl, you only have to be with her for one day. Um, but so basically my favorite parts of the class for me, based on the things that like are exciting to me and make my, that are new to me too, are the things where, um, they're telling us chemical issues. So for instance, I like interference colors very much. What are interference colors? Oh, mom, I'm so glad that you asked that question. How do you know? Maybe I know what it is. Okay, what are interference colors? I have no idea. Okay, so <laughs> interference colors are these colors that like like a butterfly's wing, that it may look a flat color one way, and then you tilt it in the light, and it sort of yeah. shines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're called interference because what it happens is they're not actually pigmented. What they have is these tiny little mica flakes in them that are nano-coated with um, white titanium, titanium white paint. And depending on how much white they have on them, that's how much of the light they refract. So some of them will be like, oh, this looks orange when you tilt it. This looks blue when you tilt it. This looks purple when you tilt it, you know? And so the effect is just really cool when you add it onto stuff. Now, why is that important or interesting or why does that have me geeking out? Because I never understood how they worked. And now that I understand how they work, I feel like I can use them more intelligently. I can teach people how to use them in a way that makes more sense instead of sort of like randomly hoping the results will work out. And it just reminds me a lot of like, once you know the rules of color mixing, Picking colors for your painting is easy. Once you know the rules of, you know, pattern mixing and stuff like that, then it's super easy to grab fabric for your quilt or whatever. I mean, I think any time that you know how something is made, it just makes it easier to understand how you can take advantage of it and use it to its best, um, well, to its best advantage, really. Okay, so they taught you how to use it or what's in it, and then did you experiment with it? So experiment is kind of a weird word because it's definitely not a free-for-all situation where I can just sort of like grab paint and do what I want. Really what they have us do, so for instance with the interference, is they have a board that's a white board, and then there's a black painted stripe across it. And what you do, and you can see this stuff on like my Instagram and my story, and I'll have a ton of video in my vlog for this week too. Um, but and I what, hope at some point you'll do an entire blog post yes, about the and week. I will do a blog post about it too. So it'll be well covered. You'll be sick of this by the end of it. What I was going to say is so it's um, – and so what you do is you put like just the interference color down and you look at it on the white and on the black to see the difference, right? Then you take the interference color and you mix it with like a regular paint and then you put it on and you see it on the white and the black to see the difference. Then you mix the interference color with like a gel or a, you know, uh, or something like that. And then you put it on the white and the black and you see the difference, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, you are experimenting, but you have very clear rules or map, like they give you... Uh, guidelines. I say, this is what you're going to mix it with and put it here. This is what you're going to mix it with and put it here. And so you're kind of experimenting in the sense that you don't know what's going to happen, but you're not experimenting in the sense that like you're making up the choices. You know, what's going to be interesting to me is when you get back and start playing with this stuff, because I suspect you're going to mix it with other things that they didn't have you do in class just to see 
how it works. So yes. that you're, and, and just how far you can take the product. Yeah, I have my own questions about like how things are going to work for the stuff that I do, how things are going to change the way that, you know, the things that I mean, I, um, I think that golden paints without question are like my favorite acrylic paints without question. But I know that there are other supplies that I like using too. And so I have to kind of find like, how does this product line blend with all the stuff I use already? And like, what am I going to replace, you know, from my stash with this stuff? And what am I not going to? And what's, and I think, I think every artist has to make that decision. This is always my weirdness when people ask for a product recommendation. And even with stuff that, you know, like the scan and cut, They'll say like, okay, well, which one should I get? And I, I feel like that's such a weird question because I have no idea which one you should get. The same way as like if you ask me who you should marry or what you should have for dinner. Like I just, I don't know. I don't know. These are the products I like. This is what I'm having for dinner, you know. This is, you know, and I think like those decisions are actually as personal. It may seem insane to like, you know, make equivocal this, the idea of like who you're marrying and what paint you're using. But I do think it's personal. I mean, I do think it's that personal. Like I can tell you, these are the qualities that I like in a paint the same way that I can tell you, like, you can tell me these are the qualities you like in a mate. Oh, look at that. I'm kind of rhymy. <laughs> I didn't even do that on really. purpose. Okay. Well, way to rain on my parade. Um, oh, also yesterday I started singing while we were painting and my table mates were like, oh, you sing while you paint. And I was like, oh no, I did that out loud. <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They were like, it's okay. revealed. I know. So clearly I am the annoying person at the table anyway. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I, I think that I, this is why when I teach, I always say, these are the things that I like about this product instead of just saying this product is awesome because I think um, that's important to know. And the same like in my YouTube videos when I do my exploring art products, I don't just sort of say, oh, this is good or this is bad. I'm like, well, it's good for XXX and it's bad for YYY and that's, you know, sort of the deal. Why don't you talk about, you got a lot of response when you Instagram their new watercolor line. Talk about that a little. Yeah, so Golden has obviously been known as an acrylic paint company, and people were kind of like, Golden's doing watercolors. And also, they spell, so the way they spell their water, so their watercolors are called core watercolors. And any normal person would assume that that's spelled C O R E. I did. Yes, no, but it's actually spelled capital Q, lowercase o, capital R. Hmm. Yes, and it's pronounced core. So I think there's also a disconnect between people hearing about it and people seeing the name and sort of not connecting. But so the question is like, why did Golden make watercolors? And the story of it's actually very interesting, which is the guy who is the son of Sam Golden, who is the founder of Golden, um, he is very into conservation in museums. And anytime you do any conservation in museums, you have to use uh, water-soluble products because it has to be something that can be removed. That's like rule number one about conservation. You can't actually do anything permanent to these pieces. So they mix um, oil. So all paint is made of three things. Uh, it's made of a binder, a pigment, and then some kind of oil, water, whatever, right? So if it's acrylic, it's water. If it's um, oil paint, it's oil. Um, and so what he found is that they were using this binder called Aquasol. 
Um, and it's a water-soluble binder, and it worked really well making the oil paints, and then that it were removable. And the, here's the big difference, which is traditionally watercolor is made from water, pigment, and gum arabic. And gum arabic, even really good quality gum arabic, is super murky. Like it's kind of amber-colored and really thick. That's the binder. Um, whereas Aquasol is much whiter, not whiter, but clear. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine that if you use a binder that has less murkiness, that the pigments appear to be much brighter because they're not having to fight to get through that amber filter. And the other thing, of course, too, is that it turns out that the Aquasol, you can have a much higher pigment load. So what that all means, 10 minutes I've been talking now about this, is just to tell you that the watercolors are brighter and they are actually formulated differently than other watercolors. And I think that's interesting to have that background knowledge because then when people say what's the difference you have something to say you always have something to say so <laughs> did you enjoy using them i did enjoy using them um so so far the only thing we've done is make color charts um and then do sort of like a little quick wash it was interesting because there was an artist at my table who had never used watercolor before um and so that was you know that was an interesting moment just because I think I think I think of artists as having tried everything. Like, hasn't every artist done printmaking and watercolor and stenciling and acrylic and oil and, you know, stamp carving? And I don't know. I think of people as having tried everything. Like, that's what it is to be an artist that you've sort of – and tried weaving and tried – but I think maybe um, that's part of the reason that I am a mixed media artist is because I like trying everything. Wow, I see a macrame basket coming. You know, I actually have tried macrame, just like I actually have tried tatting. I have tried crochet. I have tried knitting. I have tried weaving. I have. I mean, I have. I have tried a lot of things, man. <laughs> and this is what's happened. And this is what happened. I may not be good at any of them, but I have tried a lot of things. Okay, so tell us about what extracurricular activities they've had you do. I mean, you are in. A fascinating city, New Orleans. Yeah, so we're in class every day from either like 9 to 6 or 8 to 5, depending on the day. Um, and so that's obviously a lot of daytime taken up. And they're treating us really well. They have beautiful lunches and snacks and all that kind of stuff that a girl could want. Um, and there's wine at 4 o'clock for anybody who wants wine. Hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is, so in the evenings, they take us to dinner at various places, uh, Antoine's, which is one of the oldest restaurants in New Orleans we went to last night. We went on a riverboat cruise with some live music. Um, today is actually our day off, which is why I'm recording this podcast now. Um, but then I think we're meeting up for dinner tonight at a place called Cochon, which means pig, um, and then we have things planned. I think there's another dinner tomorrow night and then Friday, everybody goes home except for me. I have to stay one more night cause I couldn't get a flight to Boston. Ah, oh, you might have to eat some more. I know. Well, so my one plan today, my only thing on my agenda today, cause I've been to New Orleans before and I've seen a lot of it is I'm going to Cafe Dumont for beignets and I'm going to shove them in my face. Tell people who don't know what a beignet is. For people who don't know what a beignet is, A, I feel sorry for you, and B, get your butt to New Orleans. 
beignets are basically donuts, but they're better than donuts. They are like fried dough covered in white sugar. And you can try to be a lady and nibble at it, or you can just accept the fact that you're going to end up covered in powdered sugar and throw it in your face and enjoy every moment of it. I think they are only good when they're hot. Um, and Cafe Du Monde is the legendary place that you can get them. I will, I will mention that Dina Wakely introduced me to the fact that at, um, what is it called in Anaheim when you don't actually go into Disney World or Land or whatever, but there's, oh, downtown Disney. There is a Cafe Du Monde, uh, like a fake Cafe Du Monde, but they use the Cafe Du Monde mix there, which you can also buy online, by the way, if you wanted to make your own beignets. Um, and they do taste exactly like the ones from New Orleans. So there, there's another place that you can go to have them. But I will say like I've had, I've had a lot of beignets in my life and I've got the hips to show it. Um, in the interest of science, you have to try yeah, Right? And I will say without question, I think Cafe Du Monde is the best. All right. Well, I won't ask you to bring me any because clearly you have to be standing practically over the fryer in order yes. to get them well, at their best. Also, the idea that I could make it back to Boston with any in my... <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> anyway... So I'm excited about the next few days. I feel a little stressed out. I mean, it's going to be, this is going to be two weeks on the road. I've got a ton of stuff to do. I feel a little worried about the backlog that's piling up at home. And like, this is one of those things about it's hard to enjoy things if you keep worrying about it. So I need to let go of it. Um, Oh, you know, another interesting thing is I have my art journal with me and I've been just scraping off extra paint into my art journal during class. And what do you mean um, scraping off? You mean brushing off? Yeah. So like if my brush has paint in it, Instead of putting it into a paper towel, I put it into my art journal. And, you know, people in that room are not really art journalers. And so people keep coming around being like, oh, what is that? Can I see it? Like, what are you doing? And it's an interesting thing for me because I assume sort of, again, I'm clearly, you know what they say about assuming, it just makes an ass of you and me, um, making some bad assumptions. But also because this junk journal is the one that I made in class while I was in San Jose. So it doesn't have anything in it. It's just junk. And I've kind of been like, oh, I don't want to show you that. I don't want to show that. But people love it. So it's really interesting. So uh, what is that noise? What are you dragging around? It sounds like you've got Your brother just walked in, in and he's making noise. There's some. He's rustling in a bag. I discovered a Japanese bakery that also makes... Sandwiches. So I got him as an experiment the sandwich that has pork that's cooked in mirin and soy sauce and then put with these Japanese greens and sriracha mayonnaise and stuff. And then I got a bunch of experimental cookies because, again, I also am a scientist and need to test Try things all the cookies to and make experiment. Sure and as soon as I get off from talking to you, I'm going to try a bowl of yogurt with their granola again. Well, I can only study. tell you that that bag is so loud that I think everybody, I heard the plate hit the counter and everything. So it's very exciting over here. And that note, I guess we should probably round out our, or just, you know, end things given how hungry everybody sounds. He's eating. I'm headed to Cafe Dumont. You want your yogurt. <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell people aren't you, uh, you've got classes that are coming up? Uh, tell them where they can find you. That's the number one question you always get. 
Yeah, so I'm going to be teaching uh, a scan and cut class in Baton Rouge in November. Uh, in fact, I can tell you exactly what the day it is. It's November 11th and 12th at the Bayou Sewing event. Uh, I am then going to be going to uh, Whimsadoodle. They, uh, I know the dates are set. It's the 9th through the 11th of December. However, um, we have not picked the classes, and I'm just waiting for her to let me know what she would like. But as soon as that happens, those will open up for registration. That's in Tampa. That's in or... Tampa, Florida. Okay. And then later, I believe in April, I'm going up to Quebec to Scrapbook Central. So the 7th through the 9th of April, I will be in Quebec teaching. But that's all that's on my schedule. I don't have any plans to teach in the Boston area or in New York right at this moment. But they can see you on Make It Artsy they right now. They can see you on Make It Artsy right now. And we're going to be recording the next season of Make It Artsy right after Thanksgiving. So season two. Um, and a and new, a new uh, people. Some people think, well, if I can't get it on, if my local PBS station isn't showing it right now, I can't see it. But in fact, they can go online and see a new episode every week on the website, right? Yes, it's not every week. It's more like every two weeks or something like that. But okay. yes, you can see it online. Um, and if you if you follow and, sign, and uh, pay attention to the Make It RC Facebook website, they post every time a new episode is available as well. Okay. So, so even though that. I'm lonely and you're not here, I can watch you on my there computer. You go. Well, and you have Matthew there eating everything apparently. This so. is true. This is there true. There you go. Okay. So uh, I will just say thank you so much to everybody for listening. This is just a quickie podcast from New Orleans. Um, if you'd like to see what I've been up to, you can always check out the vlog over on YouTube. Lots of fun stuff there. Um, otherwise, you can find me at ballsordesigns.typepad.com. Do leave us your comments or questions at ballsordesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag artingpodcast. That's all one word. Hashtag A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting Podcast. <laughs>